Welcome to the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I am Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Mellencon from Debacle Records. And each week we pick a Rancid song and we talk about it and all our complicated feelings around it. Uh, except for this week, we have a guest. So, um, Josh Mason is an old friend of mine, old collaborator. I keep using the word old, I guess that's... <laughs> great um but josh and i have talked about rancid and for i don't know oh it's been well over 10 years it's like kind of this been this ongoing i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that anyway josh say hello what's up how's it going (laughs) so uh i guess first off like how so for everybody who's listening like you know, Sam and I have talked about we both are really like in experimental music. We've had labels, put out records, made music, all that stuff. Josh is in that same vein. Josh and I even had a project together at one point called Old Surfers. Mm-hmm. Still like one of the best project names I've ever had, by the way. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and and I, I remember when I was telling Sam, like, Josh has to be the first guest because I'd forgot that both of the track titles from that were rancid, mm-hmm. like, nods. So yep. one... What, and out come the boards. And what was the other one? Journey to uh, the end of YMA Bay. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I'm how, like, how did you, you know, get into Rancid and how did that kind of bleed into the music and the stuff you do now? Um, so I, I grew up at the beach. I was born, uh, I was born in Florida. And so I grew up at the beach and I, grew up in surf and skate culture. So I'm um, from as long as I can remember from like fifth grade, um, I was involved in that world. And, uh, I remember the first time that I heard rancid, like it was yesterday. I, <laughs> I was at a, at a, at a friend's house. So this was like fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. I was at a friend's house playing Sega Genesis. We we're playing echo the dolphin and his brother came home and through the wall i heard let's go for the first time and i remember he had two cassette tapes in his car he had let's go and about time by pennywise and so that from that day on i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever heard (laughs) and i couldn't get enough of it um so i mean i and then like anybody else who was into that music i i followed that through you know skate videos and surf videos and just playing shows and growing up and being in punk bands in the area and stuff like that. And so I think I I really sort of followed the rancid trajectory up until about, um, I don't know, maybe mid high school somewhere in there where I kind of lost, like, I think I'm with, I think I'm with you, Brad, about at some point around after and out come the wolves. I just kind of lost the thread just because mm-hmm. I started getting into other stuff. Um, yeah, it's been in, like that's been an interesting thing for me because now going back, like I have this whole new appreciation for life won't wait, which will because um, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, Sam, sorry, you're gonna say something. Uh, I was gonna say, did you find yourself? when you were talking about rancid like later in life and appreciating it with you know with brad obviously you had that i don't know if you had it with other people or just internally did you find yourself having much 
much feelings about them outside of just the nostalgia or the the memories? Did you find yourself coming back to pieces of them or going and finding 2000 or or was it really locked away as like this is a teenage high school thing for you? No, it, it definitely never went away. I mean, I think that I'm I, I don't know if this is true, but I sort of feel like an outlier in that <clears throat> I I never really. I never really let go of any of this. And, and it makes me glad that you guys even started doing this podcast because it, I think it highlights the fact that not all of us sort of emerged into the weirdo music scene, listening to John Cage and stuff like that. Like <laughs> we all come from somewhere and we all bring it with us into what we're doing. Um, yeah. And so like, I remember I, I never, I lost the rancid thread, but I never lost like listening to punk and listening to other things like that. Um, I got into black metal in high school and that kind of was a giant left field detour mm -hmm. for me, but that sort of really intense, you know, super passionate music never really left my scope, mm -hmm. but I, but I definitely found it harder and harder to find a community to, to share it with, you know? And I, and I remember, I, I think, Actually, the, the first time Brad and I spoke online, I think it was on Twitter, it was about Rancid. Like, it had nothing to do <laughs> with, with Foxy or whatever music I was doing at the time or anything like that. It was, I think, I think Brad, you just said something, and I was like, oh, my God, somebody still gives a shit about this? This is awesome. And, uh, and then I think it just snowballed from there. I think we talked more about Rancid on Twitter than we talked about, like, my tape or probably any, anything you were doing at the time yeah. or any of that so it sounds familiar because sam and i i mean that's yeah. I, that's kind of how it was the same thing like you know we interacted in a very um i'm sending you a promo and you yeah. write reviews yeah. kind of yeah. distance but we on a more personal level it was it was me yammering on about fucking rats <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the, one of the most interesting things is that you were very vocal about, and you'd been kind of, you had learned to be, I remember you had a lot of good response when you were being very open about like liking certain things that may not have been like what people would expect you to like, Brad. You know, I remember the Fleetwood Mac period. I remember mm -hmm. the 808s and Hyperdrive period. It's funny that I remember so much. I, I swear I'm not um, <laughs> stalking you, but I just remember it being, yeah, kind of feeling the same way, being like, oh, Brad's kind of got my view of the world you know but he's more vocal about it right and yeah i love what you just said josh like deeply because i think a lot of what we're talking about and is implied in this the show and things we've said off mic a lot um is like i'm desperately trying to figure out not only enjoying this and exploring this but like how do i make sure the lesson learned here is i still love all this stuff as much as I love all the stuff I'm doing now, how do I bring this in? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to do that? Why does it feel so like you have to leave this, you know, stuff to grow up into the things we're doing? And is that does that make any sense? I'm like totally, yeah. I, 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 I think yeah. I think about even now when I make music, I make I make music um, with this ethos in mind, not with yeah. the sort of academic like. Uh, microtonal blah 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 like i i think about blown out you know blown out tape and like junk instruments and distortion and like just sort of that kind of 
passion. I have, yeah, know? yeah, totally. Like, I have something to say. My music doesn't have any words, which is ironic that the song we're going to talk about doesn't have words either. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I still, I still pour in like what I experience in the world. And I think that comes from that sort of DIY punk culture where it was yes. like everybody wasn't afraid to be themselves and just say what was on their mind or, or, you know, to, to wear their heart on their sleeve, so to speak. And, and I think that there's a lack of that in a lot of modern weirdo music. And to some extent, I understand that, right? Because a lot of that exists so that people don't have to talk about anything because mm -hmm. it's not right. necessarily about something, but I think there is space for, yeah. you know, can you, can you well, sprinkle that in? Like, yeah. Well, and I and, think, uh, uh, go ahead, well, I, I think I think that's like a really in interesting uh, what you were saying about you know wearing your heart on your sleeve, and that's it's a really interesting because because I feel the same way, and that's like the th I, it's something I respond to in other people's music. That's my music is very much an expression of that for me, or like processing things and you know whatever. But I think it's really interesting in the context of Rancid, because, and Sam and I have talked about this, and, and Tim specifically, because there's this dichotomy of Tim where he really wears his heart on his sleeve sometimes, but also there's all the bad stuff. Right. That where it's, it seems like he, he's, you know, this push pull of like, oh, I, you know, this is who I am, but I don't know if and I should do that. You know, anyway. So, uh, yeah, and, yeah. I th and I think kind of examining those and thinking about and talking about those, um, you know, navigating that, I guess, is maybe a better word is to me is like, is super interesting. And, um, yeah, hundred hmm. percent. Yeah. So this is, it's, it's so good to hear you have a similar perspective on this and, you know, uh, so much for a short intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might, we might need it. Yeah. So, we'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of which, okay. what, what song did you bring us? All right. So, Curveball. I brought the intro track to Life Won't Wait. The phenomena you're about to witness could well revolutionize your way of thinking. We are presenting startling facts and evidence that take up where other explanations leave off. Some of these revelations may very well go against things you have been taught and perhaps believed all your life. Prepare yourself for the evidence which will follow. Okay, so real quick, um, obviously Life Won't Wait, as we've talked about before, came out in August of 95, produced by Tim and Lars. The kind of most important, I think, note about this is that lester butler from the red devils played harmonica on the intro track um and so now josh why tell us why you picked this and like <laughs> yeah throw, so, the, throw the real curveball now <laughs> okay cool um also wait did, did this come out in 95 yeah sorry this oh. didn't get updated at 98 oh sorry oh yeah that's got the got the, the outcome the wolves they all come out in august so it's hard Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Came out in '98. Anyway. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> the the thing that I want to propose here is that the intro track to "Life Won't Wait" is through 
a more modern lens of looking at rancid having done all the weird things i've done since this album came out um the intro track is the most experimental thing they have done to date huh and i say that for a couple of different reasons uh one obviously is the instrumentation um this whole like john spencer rl burnside you know blown out harmonica thing uh this sound kind of combined with this up-tempo skate punk thing like this does not occur anywhere else on this album nor does it occur anywhere else in rancid's catalog you know they've they've dipped into a lot of stuff right you guys have talked about this on a couple of episodes where you know they, they experimented with the ska thing and the reggae thing and the dance hall thing and the rockabilly thing and 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 nowhere else do they kind of dip their toes into the blues which i always found really interesting um and i think because it doesn't exist anywhere else it feels like this weird little snippet of like this sort of batshit thing that makes no sense in the context <laughs> of the rest of the album and the rest of their catalog and even i mean and i might be wrong about this and i'd be happy to be proven wrong but I can't think of another punk band in this genre that does that. I mean, there's like folk punk bands that have like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's like cow punk bands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like a jug and like a harp and stuff. But, <laughs> um, but there's, there's no other sort of like hard hitting, uh, you know, John Spencer uh, thing is a really on point. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought of that, but that kind of blew my mind a little. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure Lester Butler actually played on a on an R.L. Burnside record, although I cannot think of the name of it. I don't think it's the one that he did with John Spencer, but I think he played on a another one. So I, anyway, but um, but yeah, so, I just I, I just I just thought that was really sort of yeah, and I think I think it's really interesting. Like I was expecting you to say. I was like, what's the hot take going to be? And it's, I was expecting it was going to be, they're, they've never been more intense. Hmm. <laughs> well, that, and I think in a certain way, they haven't. You know what I mean? Like, like they've never, like, they've done that sort of, basically, it's like kind of a rockabilly run, right? Like, which is pretty common in what they do, right? Like that bo-do-do-do-do, you know? Like yeah, that, yeah, like, the bouncing, bouncing the ball bouncing kind of up, yeah. Kind of going up the arpeggio sort of thing and being really driven by Matt in that rockabilly mode. But like the the amount of song packed into this forty eight or whatever second yeah. song yeah. is shocking. And you're you're very right. Like like there's a clashing of sound too that the harmonica creates that um when it's paired next to that kind of Tim and Lars like almost early ranted, like you know, high pitched yeah. kind of weedily thing that they're mm -hmm. doing, you know, like uh all at once it does have this like overwhelming your senses thing and i think you're right that there's maybe maybe outside of like moments in 2000 rent to 2000 outside of those like i don't think there's a lot of places where they go as hard as what they're doing for yeah. sure yeah i mean I, when i think of like intense rancid i think of 2000 for sure disgruntled and some other things but right. in terms of like you know the vocals being super present and all that stuff but i think there is a sort of uh 
I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but when I when I first heard this track, now I'm with Brad in that I had to go back and rediscover this album. When it, when it initially came out, I wasn't really mm-hmm. thinking about it critically the way that I think about it now. But but um, when I first heard it, I was hot. <laughs> In the sense that it sounds to me the same way that I remember feeling being at shows, you know, blown out speakers, mm-hmm. hot lights, everybody's sweating. Like it has that kind of like uh, yeah. old school kind of blues bar, smoky, gnarly kind of grime to it that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist anywhere else in their in their what they're doing, especially on this album, but across the board. Yeah, no, I think that I, I think that kind of, bl- the blues reference is really spot on, and I hadn't, and I, I'll be, honest, I hadn't quite, I hadn't really thought about it, but as soon as you said that, my brain, it was just like this light bulb m- went off, and yeah, I mean, what you just described, I mean, I can, I, this is the total kind of thing you like walk into, I can, I just now have this vision in my head of walking into some like rundown, um. Yeah, sweaty blues bar, and there's yeah, this, everybody's there's, just like soaking wet because it's so yeah, hot, and, yeah. and and there's and there's this band in the corner, like just doing like what's like what the fuck, and this guy on a harmonica just, just absolutely yeah. shredding. Yeah. I mean, that Lester Butler is, uh, you know, and it's fucked up too that he died before this even came out. Oh, like, really? He, yeah, he died in May of '98 of an overdose. Uh, that sucks. So this is like one of the last things he did. I mean, and, and it's, I mean, you know, to use modern slang, I mean, it's like an iconic performance on this yeah. 46 second, 48 second, whatever it is. Um, Actually, yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. And, and I think, and I think that is, it, I, I'm trying, I'm like racking my brain trying to think of anything that sounds like this on, Um, and yeah, I can't. I, can't, I, can't I mean, there's a harmonica on um, the back half of this record. I forget which song exactly. Mm-hmm. But, like, it does not have this sort of, like, blown out. And there's, like, kind of, like, a reverby. Like, you know, we kind of always, I feel like I latch onto moments where they sound like things I would go on to like. You know what I mean? We talked a lot about Let Me Go's guitar having this, like, oh, that's really cool psychedelic guitar. Mm. This also kind of, like it's almost like the fastest MVE song of your life. You know what I mean? Like, because it's got a little bit of reverb chain on the, on the harmonica, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of has, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I, I'm like fully kind of coming around to it being at one of their most out there moments for sure, between the intensity and how much they pack in and the sort of the clashing of the sounds on the record and on the, on the mix, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think, think the, is that all though completely undercut by how cheeseball the 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 sample is? Well, okay, so I actually have a thought on that too, and this may be a hot take, but I actually think that the the sample is perfect for the record, and I'll say and I'll tell you why. When I when I was younger, I remember listening to uh, you know like Good Riddance records where it seemed like every other song there was some little snippet from a movie that like introduced the song or, or it introduced Mm -hmm. the kind of uh, you know, where it was going or what it might be about or whatever. I think it's interesting that Rancid chose to do that with this sample. I mean, not only they, they use the sample as from the intro, 
but they built a song around it. And and interestingly enough, the 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 sample actually gives you a heads up that if you think about this album contextually when it came out, this was the most varied rancid record to date. Like if you think about it, yeah. it's like it's like a warning like this is about you know the, the thing you're about to hear or whatever, whatever it, however it goes. It's like it's gonna change. It, it may change the way you perceive things. It may change the way that you experience this band because we're about to get out there with some stuff. And I think the fact that that exists inside of this song that doesn't sound like anything else is a really interesting sort of preamble to this album that dips its toes into so many different weird varied styles. Well, and I think that kind of goes uh, <clears throat> something that Sam and I have talked about a lot. And so um, the episode before this, we did a backslide from this record. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish I had the, oh, are the lyrics in the notes. Because we talked about the um, the bridge on that song where it, obviously like the, it's the Lars part. It's like, have you ever been haunted by your past and mm-hmm. never let you go? And there's the obvious, you know, no metaphor part like meaning of that which is what i think probably the song is mostly about but it's we've talked about how there's this like rancid has there's this conservatism in rancid as far as like sound goes about this well no we're a punk band we got it and how especially with this record i mean it started with an outcome the wolves and then hit its apex with this record of like but no, we like that's we're more than that. We want to be more than that, and um, and so this intro, you know, goes along with that. I think, and it's it's I don't know. It's it's the ongoing frustration I have. Like, and then eventually they revert to, um, okay, they revert less so than I thought. On the, yeah, the, I was about to say, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I, in the context of, and, and I think it, of them, it's that, it's again, it's that push-pull of like, well, we want to, you know, we want to explore other stuff and do all this other stuff, but no, man, we're a punk band. We got, you know, we're from the East Bay and we're mm-hmm. three, co- and I, I think that's, post Let's Go, that is like this ongoing tension on yeah. so much of their music and so in that context thinking about because if i'm looking at the credits right this the, the quote-unquote lyrics tim supposedly like who wrote is this a sample from something or is this something that they wrote i mean it it's saying that it, tim is it, the songwriter it sounds like it was pulled from something like a, like one yeah, of those I mean, old yeah. one of those old video reels you would yeah. be shown when you were in grade school or something you know about like it feels like Holocaust very like twilight zone yeah sort of I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, <laughs> it wasn't. They had the budget on this record to <laughs> yeah. release and have a guy go record it. That's right. for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's no credit for that guy, so you kind of would assume. Yeah, that's what but, I'm, like, going through all the credits, which. I think uh, you guys are right that that's what this is. And to be honest, like. I agree that it's cheesy. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, there's a part it, of me that loves the cheese, but it's right. funny because in my mind, I contextualize it so much like that Uncle record came out the same year, right? Like, and it has a very, like, this was a move in other things I was listening to that was pretty common, like the DJ Shadow Uncle sort of world of things. Like, you would have an intro track that was like, 
pulled from some obscure Twilight Zone esque thing saying like, you know, prepared for we're yeah. going to space, you know? And I think I don't know, maybe it's the sort of thing I'm self editing where I shouldn't be, right? You know, we were just talking about this, right? Like I think at the time I thought it was pretty cool, but part of me also goes like that I've kind of moved beyond that sort of heavy signaling that that some of that sample, you know, kind of intro track, sample track Hmm. does that like, but maybe I shouldn't, maybe I just should be like, you know, loving it. The phenomena you're about to witness could well revolutionize your way of thinking. We are presenting startling facts and evidence that take up where other explanations leave off. Some of these revelations may very well go against things you have been taught and perhaps believed all your life. Prepare yourself for the evidence which will follow. I mean, it's, 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 I guess it's cheesy, you know, in the same way that like, I mean, I, I feel like I might be stealing Brad's thunder here a little bit, but like the same way, like the outro of, of GGF is like self, self, yeah. self-referential, like, uh, just sort of breaking the fourth wall like who are you talking to we're listening to a cd dude like we're not at your show like <laughs> but they they always feel like they're on stage I yeah feel like right so, yeah, this, that fits <laughs> that, that is true that is true yeah um but yeah i i i think it's totally valid and fine and probably if it was slightly different or if it was you know just this intro like they just that'd be kind of an interesting thing if it was just the audio from this without that um i don't think it would have the same weight so hmm. It, you're probably more right that like yeah this is kind of perfect how it is but but like, there is something so almost like I almost feel like it's a it's a um it's a hedge mm-hmm. don't worry guys like we're gonna start yeah. with this crazy thing like but we're gonna do it in this way where it kind of like we're gonna contextualize how crazy this track is with this intro you know like it, it's a hedging on the whole album it's hedging on that track it's hedging and kind of going like woo isn't this crazy yeah, you know like yeah well now that i'm kind of putting on the hat of cheeseball 50s sci-fi it feels a little more tongue-in-cheek you know versus just like being happy to be i don't know but that i mean that kind of goes along i mean that makes it make even more sense to me because i mean that's <laughs> yeah i mean I that's their you know like that's their uh, mo for sure. Right, that's that push pull, right? Like, oh, we're gonna do this thing, but just in case everybody thinks we're a bunch of poser sellouts, like it's just this, you know. And then of course, of course, it the intro track goes right into blood clot, which is which this. is like quintessential yeah. rancid, right. right? So it's like, and it's like a double intro. It's such yeah. a double intro because blood clot is an intro. Yeah, like, blood totally. Cut, it, it it trails off and then it goes boom. You know, it has yeah. a big that big hit that that blood clot. And I don't think this track works nearly as well if you don't follow it up with Blood Clot. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's actually hard when we reviewed Blood Clot to not be reviewing Blood Clot right. and this right. track because I think they're kind you of you think of them the as the same thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. And it, it, and I do think the thing that we have given Rancid credit for is they really do think of albums as albums, or at least they used to, and <laughs> they uh, really do think of um, sequencing. sequencing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- this is just the perfect example of like, no, we can't start with Blood Clot, even though Blood Clot could would be a pretty amazing start to that album, you know. Um, well, and it's also it, really it, funny to think like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna put this disclaimer out there with this intro of how weird it is, and then we're gonna do the most obvious rants yeah. and like 
thing like, hey, ever. Let's go. Right. Yeah, and you know, and yeah. just to, and, and, you know, I don't know that they were thinking of this, but to me, it's like, oh, we're fucking with you. And yeah, I, yeah. It, and it I definitely, really, and it I definitely that. feels that way. Um, and then they go, and then it just goes. I don't know. I crazy. think we should contextualize Blood Cloud a little bit more as like, that's a pretty rock and roll song in a way that like even a lot of an African Wolves didn't have. You know what I mean? It, it, it's got that chorus that feels very Ramonesy, but like it's still, as we talked about, like yeah. it's a big, big sounding rock arena rock song. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like even that they might have felt a little unsure yeah. about. But but you know you're not wrong. It isn't like they played Crane Fist right after that. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it isn't like it isn't like they went whoa we're on another planet. You know? Um, yeah. So and maybe I, and maybe they just wanted Lester Butler on a track, and this was right. how they did it. You know, I mean, so that's always I mean, entirely possible because it, Tim... it feels like it fits with the Junkie Man model, right? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. where you know you're like, well, we were hanging out with Jim we... Carroll, and we're he... yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we got Jim cool. Carroll to do this, and we got the you know DJ to come in, and like we need it to kind of have this like thematic. Yeah, this is kind of this side bridge, I heard, you know. I heard Lester playing on an R.L. Burnside album. Man, we should get him play on our record too. I mean, this is probably another hot take, but truthfully, like if Rancid made a Lester Butler record that sounded like this all the way through, I would never listen to another Rancid album. <laughs> it, it would just, it would just be this over and over and over. I went this era of Rancid yeah. playing with the intensity of 2000 with Lester Butler. Yeah, forever. It, it would it would rip. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Imagine if if Lester Butler played on two thousand, just like. Yeah, and that's what this feels like to me. Like when it I does, hear it, yeah. it feels yeah. like a prelude to that because it's got that like hoedown kind of like rockabilly core core chord progression. You know, is yeah. that thing that they really did a lot on 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 two thousand and really laid back into. So. Yeah. And, and of course, yeah. I, I say that now though, right? Like looking back on this it, it kind of makes me think of when brad and i were working on that lookout list like i think about all the all the, the bands that had like one seven inch and they were done yeah. you know and you never heard from them again and it's it kind of like what you guys were talking about on um i think that was the let me go episode where you're talking about nirvana it's like they are that way because they had three records Mm-hmm. This or Aunt Ivy, I mean, or uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Like this song, this song is rad in the context of forty-eight seconds. But a full album of this, <laughs> with <laughs> with with Tim like having a stroke on top of it, it's like I don't know if <laughs> it would work as well. But I want it to work well because it's so good. Like to my yeah. ears, yep. It's a yeah. good pick. I'm glad you picked yeah, it. No, it's a total it's a... left field, and it's it's. It's a good one to talk about. I, I, I mean, I, I love talking about Life Won't Wait. I, I'm kind of coming back to it being like, yeah, that's right. I love the hell out of Life Won't Wait. Why, yeah. why am I self, you know, why am I not allowing that to be true about myself? You know, and I really do love it. And intro is probably a big part of it. You know what I mean? It, it did feel like this record was going to be, we always talk about being this like globe trotting record, you know, and so. And I feel like everybody who was into Rancid, regardless of whether or not you heard it for the first time in 98, or you heard it for the first time because you were like, oh, I got to go back and figure out mm-hmm. what they were doing after An Outcome the Wolves. I think everybody heard this record and probably heard this intro song and was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> what, what, what did I buy? You know, because it was... And then it, just, and then it just kept happening song after song after song on this record. <laughs> so it's like... I think it's a pretty good kind of 
ugh, intro, I guess, to <laughs> the weirdness that was coming. I love how much disdain you have that right. you hit a pun. You were like, I, oh, I, God damn it. I wish I would have thought that through before I said it, but whatever. <laughs> but it is, it, I don't know. It, Yeah, it, it's sort of like all of the reasons I love Life of Wait is in this song, right? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? All the all the promise of Life of Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, that wasn't a total train wreck, no, right? Yeah, that was good. I think that was a good, I, yeah, we, we, talked about his 48 second track for 20 plus minutes <laughs> fucking rancid okay so talking about next week uh if you didn't listen to last week what i i threw a wrench in brad's plans and uh offered a challenge which was um i don't think we're gonna get to what's it actually called let let the dominoes, dominoes fall. fall i call it roll the dice but yeah. uh let the dominoes fall a long time and i was kind of like i think i need to dive into that record and get started having an opinion on it um every time i've trolled through it once i've been like this is garbage this is just uh, unbelievably bad uh but i wanted to check that so i i offered to brad a challenge which is listen to let the dominoes fall and come up with relatively within that record what is the best track i separately also did this exercise and I'm hoping that we pick the same track. I, I'm, I'm guessing we didn't. But if we pick the same track, next week we'll just do that one track. If we pick two different, I think we'll just probably cram it into the same episode and just talk about which yeah. which tracks we like. This has also opened up a whole crazy thing of that we'll have to mine for some value later yeah. around. Now I have an opinion on every track of that album, <laughs> which I did not have, you know, a four days ago so and just to be clear so sam and i've been like texting about this ever since he threw this down and i i think i said to him like oh my god this is all terrible i have no idea and sam's like oh, i think there's a pretty obvious pick which i'm like what the fuck i don't <laughs> i think there's no obvious pick so then i, I, I rated yeah. everything i mean i i have like a i i ranked everything with in five categories like i went real scientific on this um and it's so we'll have to do something with all that yeah and it's all what is yeah it's it's not so what is your pick for the best track of roll no not roll the dice (laughs) let the dominoes fall okay so i'm just gonna go strictly on the numbers because i don't even know if i agree with this (laughs) but by the numbers of how i rank this my pick is so excited (laughs) is you want it you got it yeah that's not mine. <laughs> uh, that is a three point five out of ten on my scale. Okay. And well, ranks... to be to be clear, the high at a mine's a fifty scale. The highest is twenty four, which is this. So that's still like less than a five. Got it. Okay. It, so what? That's did you a pick? high. It's on the high end, by the way, for me. This is in the okay. like quartile. <laughs> but you had an eight. What the fuck was your eight? I dropped it to seven. Okay. So just chill. I think you're wrong, and it's up to no good. That was see. That was my second one. Okay, good. Okay. And, and here the and thing I was, wanted is, us to be within one of either way. Like your my number one, two was your number one or something. So. And the funny part was, is I sat here going like, even though this one is twenty three out of fifty, I think I should pick it because in my like I think it's the best. It's the only one I actually get stuck in my head. Yep, but I—it's just a good track, I think. 
I, think I don't know if I go that far, but eh. <laughs> okay. we'll talk about it next week. But uh, okay, so we'll probably talk about the, but, both of those next week, yeah. and God. at some point we'll mine this these documents we built for <laughs> our general feelings about this incredibly poor album from a band that I will take some pretty you know toss yeah. off B sides and be happy. There's something really wrong with this album, and I I don't know exactly what's up with it. But it also but, uh, really uh, changed a lot of my pre- previous misconceptions about things. But I don't want to like where they went. Yeah, there was a little bit of like when we asked them to experiment, maybe we didn't. Maybe yeah. we need to be more. Ex- maybe that more was specific. wrong. <laughs> maybe that was a bad idea. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well. All right. So, oh, yeah. I'm glad that I was like worried you were going to come out of like left field with L.A. River or something, and I was, <laughs> was going to end the podcast. <laughs> um, that okay. one I have as my last rank, but I said it almost maybe horseshoe theories around <laughs> becomes the number one. You know, like right. That, hey, that was my last rank. To, well, co last ranked with another one, but anyway, I'm gonna. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Josh. Hey, thanks for. Thanks for coming on. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for letting me on. Uh, and what's like your website? Where can people find you? Uh, my website is joshmason.info. Can't get much simpler than that. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at RancidPod. And we will see you next week to talk about let the dominoes fall I just about said roll the dice again let the (laughs) let the dominoes fall alright see you guys later bro